Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to go. Welcome to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan here in Pasadena, California. So happy to be with you today. It is Tuesday, May 20th. Julie Dolan is in Dallas, Texas. Julie, isn't the month of May just flying by? Wow, Leanne, it certainly is. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Do you like that emotion? Yeah. Yes, I was. Yeah, it's but I think it's just such a busy month. There's always, you know, it's the end of school. There's, you know, all sorts. There's weddings. There's graduations. There's a lot going on. Yeah, it's a good month on Facebook. I mean, apparently every high school in America had their high school prom this weekend and every college had their graduation. <laughs> uh, and those were fantastic photos to see. Mm hmm. Now, we are going to talk more about graduation. Julie is on a mission to save graduations everywhere. So she has outlined a three or five or 10 point plan. I'm not yes. sure which. Yes. We're also, uh, I have a whole wellness block, Julie. Oh. I have a, in the wellness category, I have a recommendation. Good. I have a request. And then I have a question. So stay uh -oh. tuned for that. Okay. Uh, we have TV talk today. Uh, season finales popping up all over and a funny discussion popping up on the Facebook page. So we're going to talk about that. And then, of course, the finale of Mr. Selfridge. So we will have full coverage on Sister Selfridge. Uh, um, but first, Julie, I have to say, I spoke some words this weekend to my husband that I have never spoken in 21 years of marriage. Oh, no, Leon. Is this, is this a good thing or, or a not so good thing? Well, here's what I said. Saturday morning, I woke up and I said, honey, I'm going to play golf with friends. <laughs> what? I you know. You up golf, Leon? You know, I play sporadically. For the last seven, eight years, uh, I've played sporadically, usually on vacation. Uh -huh. And um, and I, I took it up because it was when we go on those family vacations with my husband's family where there are, you know, um, mandatory hikes involved. Uh -huh. What I discovered was if there's a golf course nearby, I can often get out of the hiking by golfing. <laughs> so <laughs> That's a very loving, mm, nice, it nice is. motivation. Well, we should say that in your family, um, uh, uh, you know, when they go on a hike, it's more of a mountain run, right, Leanne? Yes, <laughs> It is, it is right up the hill. It's very uh, fast paced. It's not the least bit enjoyable. No. I've been on a hike with your, you know, with your husband <laughs> and your sons. It's grueling. So, so you'll, so you'll do practically anything. And I guess you've taken up golf as a way to escape from this. You know what? There's a lot to like about golf. I mean, other than the fact that it's incredibly hard. I, I like walking around golf courses. That's fun. I like yes. uh, the, the skirts are really cute. I like the outfit. <laughs> <laughs> like that's very fun. important. You know, I am so non-competitive in it. I don't really score so that I don't get all worked up about how many over par I am. <laughs> I just don't care. So I enjoy that too. There's nothing in me that thinks at any point in my life, I'm going to be a good golfer. So once you stop caring about that, it's totally fine. And the only thing I don't like is that it takes forever. Like I wish golf was only 13 holes, like 18 holes takes forever. So and Lynn, you're so impatient. I can't imagine that you would enjoy being on a golf course 
watching like some duffers on the hole in front of you, like taking all their time. Doesn't that bug you? That no? bugs me. And I also get uh, very uptight when people are waiting for us because when the kids were little, it did take, we were the duffers. I mean, we're the duffers, you know, <laughs> most, let's be clear. Most people on the golf course are better than me. But on the other hand, there's a lot to like, it's outdoor fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it kills a lot of time on a vacation. So I, I've, I've taken, you know, I like it well enough, but I haven't ever played without my family. Like it has never occurred to me to go down and take a golf lesson or to hit some balls on my own. But my friend Bettina about a month ago asked me to be part of a foursome for a charity golf event. Okay. <laughs> you know, wow, Leon. I, I, I'm really shocked. This is shocking news. I know. Because we, we don't come from a family of golfers. No. We've mocked golf most of our lives. Yep. But, but you are a good athlete, Leon. You have a good hand-eye coordination. Um, and uh, I bet you do look cute in those little golf <laughs> And I have, it's a good look for me. And I have a lot of upper body strength, so I can yes. I can I can drive a long way if I don't hit it into the trees. Like that's <laughs> I have the potential to drive a long way. So at first I hesitated, thinking, oh, I don't know, I don't think I'm good enough. I said, you know, I'm really bad. I said to Bettina, please, I'm bad. And she said, no, no, we're all bad. So I. <laughs> I was like, oh, we're all bad. Oh, great. So I, I signed up. It was a charity event for a school, for the school that my kids had gone through K through eight. So what the heck? And then our fourth dropped out. And so now we're just three really bad golfers. And <laughs> does that, I don't know uh, enough about golf. Does that put more pressure on the three bad yes. golfers? Yeah. This is a best, player? it's a best ball situation. Oh, yes. Okay. I'm familiar with that. Okay. So yes, that is more pressure. So, yeah. and then, uh, and then my son Brooks, who, as you know, has been on a gap year. So I've been enjoying quite a bit of golf this year. Uh, said, what course are you playing? He goes, wow, that's a really long course. You know, there are like four or five holes on that course that are over 450 yards. And I, I, you know, I thought to myself, we're going to be out there all day. Like we are literally going to be out there all day if we're each driving like 75 yards at a clip. (laughs) So, so here, so I did two things. So Bettina said, we should go hit some golf balls this weekend and go to the driving range and the putting green. I was like, Okay, sign me up for that. I don't actually want to play a round of golf yet. That's how rusty I am. It's been about 18 months since I played. <laughs> and then on the registration day, I looked at Brooks. I said, will you be our fourth? So oh, you're bringing in a ringer. Bringing in the ringer. Bringing in the 19-year-old son. Exactly. Who's like a born athlete, yep. uh, you know, who can just whale the ball. Oh, oh good. Yeah. Okay, so you- I just saw it in general. It's not like we want to win. I just didn't want to be humiliated. You know, it's just... <laughs> That's so the you difference. say you're not competitive, but indeed, Leanne, you are. I am competitive, but I also, I didn't want to hold everybody up. I didn't want it to feel like forever. I mean, I thought we could really be out there five or six hours if we cannot get through these holes. So, uh, so the other ladies were all for it. <laughs> They're of like, course. why not? Totally fine. So Saturday morning, our threesome got up and we went uh, to play golf and Julie, I hit Maybe 50 drives, and then we putted for like a half hour. Okay. I appear I appear to be the most accurate putter of the three. Um, but my drives, you know, ranged from dead on, perfect, 150 yards, to like nearly killing the guy next to me. <laughs> <laughs> that was the range. <laughs> <laughs> and 
I can't tell you the number of drives I actually just whiffed. Like I tried to hit the golf ball and Oh, missed. yeah, that's embarrassing. That's it's totally bit. embarrassing. And it wasn't just one or two. It was a large percentage. So, uh, so um, and here's the thing, Julie, the next day, every muscle in my body hurt. I could not believe it. I'm in pretty good shape. I've been doing a lot of yoga, doing a lot of walking, all the time, gardening. I I just, I'm really in good shape. And like everything from the IT band on my left leg to like my right bicep, which was on fire. I was like, this is unbelievable. This is golf. This is what old people do. And I crippled. So, uh, there you have it. We are, we are now in tournament mode. Uh, okay. Okay. When is the big tournament? It's Friday the 30th. So I have like 10 days. I'm going to go now. My muscle, I I really seriously could barely lift my arms Sunday. Like I was trying to, you know, (laughs) fold laundry. I was like, Oh, Oh. And like, God, nobody's, you know, you really don't get any sympathy for no. a golf injury. No. Just tell you that. It's Nobody embarrassing. Does. I know. Yeah. I couldn't even, like last night I was trying to wash the car. I was like, oh. <laughs> so I feel much better today. So I think we're going to, Brooks and I are going to go out. We're going to start with the par three course, uh, and then uh, I, I need to play at least nine holes. I need to put together some holes. It's okay, just... Leanne, I think you're in deep. I think you have found your passion. <laughs> this is it. This is for the next chapter. You know, but it is fun. I mean, if people say, particularly women, that they enjoy the camaraderie. Right. They have a great time when yeah. they go out and play with other ladies, and you know that part, that spirit is 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 fun. Yeah. So that, that's it, that we're going to have that spirit, that camaraderie, and we're going to have an 18 year old that can drive. And that is, (laughs) that's, and chip. (laughs) You're not going to cheat, are you, Leanne? You're pretty No, no. Again, I don't care enough to cheat. Like, again, I don't care enough to cheat. I just didn't want to hold everybody up. I don't care what our scores are. I I fully, well, now Brooke shot an eight over last night, so I think we're going to be in good shape. But... (laughs) I mean, we're not in it to win it. I just, again, did not want to be like the last people out on the course and miss the awards dinner and In-N-Out Burgers because we were still out on the course. That's what I, that's what I felt like. Awards dinner. I can't wait. See, I know, Leon. I know you've got your eye on that trophy. I know you do. I know. It's not too late, Leon. Maybe this is, this, this is the professional sport you were meant to. The seniors tour. This could be it. You can do it. I, I, I see it now. Although well, I was humiliated when I saw today that an 11 year old girl qualified for the, the women's U S open in golf 11. <laughs> okay. And what are you doing? Reading golf news? Leah? It was on the crawl. It was on the crawl on good morning America. Yeah. I don't have a subscription to golf digest yet. Don't worry. <laughs> well, Leon, uh, while you're busy taking up the sport of golf, I, I'm not really sure that I'm going to be able to continue to do podcasts. And I'll tell you why. Um, I met this weekend with a dog trainer. You know, I've been having some issues with my dog, Zorro, right. my, my wonderful seven-year-old English black lab that uh, we, we're just having a situation where uh, we, we go out on walks and he comes, he just stops. He won't walk anymore. He just... He won't go anywhere. And I've eliminated the idea that it's any kind of physical injury. I have taken him into the vet. He's in fine shape. And I know that when he wants to move, he can move at high speeds if he if he's able to. <laughs> and you've seen this. You've seen yes. Yes. If there's a squirrel or something, another dog, all of a sudden he perks up 
and he is able to, you know, to move, move along. So I know something else is going on. So I met with this um, uh, uh, dog trainer. She lives next door to my sister-in-law. And so very kindly, she's very interested in this case. And she was the one that told me that I should start with some kind of treat on the, on the walk. And she su- suggested Cheerios. And so I, I bought myself a box of Cheerios and I took a little baggie and we went on the walk with Zorro. And uh, when he came to a complete halt, um, I gave him some Cheerios and he enjoyed them, but he didn't move. He just sat there <laughs> and ate the Cheerios. So I explained this to Heidi, um, the dog trainer, and she thought, well, perhaps, and someone on the Facebook um, page su- suggested it as well, that maybe I should go for a higher value treat. You know, Cheerios are pretty low on the on the on the scale that maybe he would prefer a cheese it you know it's got a little more flavor it's a little crunchier <laughs> you can even go to like a hot dog or stuff but as you know Leon Zorro's a big boy yeah, right he's right. Uh, he's all 92 pounds uh, um soaking wet um and so he doesn't really need a lot of extra treats no. just for a walk and i explained this to Heidi <laughs> and she she understood it she said but you know using a treat is is a sort of a standard practice for a lot of do- dog trainers. Um, so she didn't, you know, she didn't want me to rule that out. But she also offered some other suggestions. She said, number one, how many times a day are you walking it, walking your dog? And I said, well, three times a day. Like he gets a big walk in the morning, then sort of um, a midday little stroll, and then at night to go out and, you know, to do his final final thing. Uh, and she said, that's too much. She said, most dogs are not walked three times a day. Did you know that? I know you walk your dog a lot, right? Yeah, usually twice a day. Okay. Yeah, okay. usually twice. She's, she thinks that maybe he, in fact, is bored and that he doesn't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Well, he hop- operates at a very high level. Sorry. He's yeah, tremendously so just, intellectual. And he's just bored with the same old territory. He smelled well, those smells just, before. Right, right. This is what she said. I thought he found great comfort in going on the on the same routes uh, most days because he seems to enjoy stopping at the same bushes, the same light poles. You know, I mean, that's, that's his thing. But um, she said, indeed, he may be bored. And that what I really need to do is to work out some new, more exciting routes for my dog, Liam. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. How about that? But then she also said, you know. You know, I will say, though, I have changed up Mia's route, and she did seem to find just a newfound joy. We both okay. did. I just took a few different turns, and now we have a new route, and she really enjoys it. When okay. I And I worked that in, so. So, that's so that's, it. so I am now, I've got the Google map out and we're working out some new routes, Leanne, because uh, I haven't forbid that. But Heidi also said that as a seven-year-old dog, as a lab, you know, he's now a mature dog and he's, he's earned the right to, you know, to take it easy. It's like, <laughs> I was like, Heidi, you have not seen this dog take it easy. I mean, right. <laughs> but she believes that to keep. Well, I haven't seen him take it hard, I think is. <laughs> Really? No, he is a dog. His finest moment, Leon, is lying in front of a roaring fire. There is no dog that does it better than my dog. Okay. That is what he was meant to do. Okay. He really does not enjoy retrieving at all. He's tried it. 
And uh, he just does not really understand the fascination with running after the ball and bringing it back. He's perfectly capable of doing that, but he doesn't enjoy that. So we have tried that. The same with the stick. He doesn't really No, he rather sit down with the stick and chew it. But Heidi said that if you have a mature dog, it's very important to um, to really spend some time doing interactive games, Leanne, that really, really... What I need to do now is to cook up some interactive games hmm. for me and Zorro. Okay, so or... like Scrabble or what? I don't know. I don't know. Hide and go seek. Parcheesy. Okay. Oh, my dog likes hide and go seek. We play. Really? What do you do? Hide behind a tree? Yeah, I hide behind the garbages, and then she runs around. And oh yeah, we. we... <laughs> I... Really? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, for years I tried to get the boys to play with her. That was supposed to be their job. I would, so I would start by showing them, "Hey, here's what you do." And now it's just she has no interest in playing with the boys now. She wants to play hide and seek with me. So we have a whole thing. We have a little game that we play. Okay, so now I'm really feeling bad because of badly because of course I thought this was a ridiculous idea. <laughs> the idea that I would have to like play hide and seek uh, with uh, with Zorro, but you apparently are doing it. So. <laughs> So that is what we're going to be doing now, Leanne. So I don't think I'll have time for the podcast. Yeah, I can see that she that he is going to take up a lot of your social time, your free time with the interactive gaming. Inter- interactive gaming. So that that's what we're going to be working on because, uh, you know, I want him to be happy. and uh, But I'm not really sure what the link is between that and, uh, you know, will he, you know, if I play these games with him, Will he understand that he has to keep walking when we take him out on a walk? I'm not sure. I, just, I think of you and Zorro gaming. I it's just I don't even see it. Zorro, I just don't see it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I know people don't have a not met Zorro, and he is a fine dog, right. a, one of the finest. And uh, he, uh, but like moving around, and he he doesn't jump up, he doesn't bark. That's just not his thing. Okay, no. he lies no. in front of fire of a fireplace. <laughs> that. That's what he was meant to be. That's what he was bred to do. And he does it very well. So uh, I don't know. But so that that's my that's my story, Leanne. I've got to really get to work on this. Yeah. Good luck. Okay. Well, Le- Leanne, moving on. We, we started the show by saying May is a big month. Lots of proms. Lots of gra- graduations. I, I really think it's time for us to talk about graduation because I believe it's reached a tipping point. Mm-hmm. I think... If we don't reach out, if we don't start a campaign today to save graduation, that is hashtag save graduation. Okay. You I, don't I really even th- know what that means. So do- I, I don't either, Leanne. I don't either. <laughs> but I am I am I am putting it out there because I believe I really think that we are now close to like completely ruining a wonderful, happy um, ceremony that has been going on for years and years and years that works for everybody because of what's happening with graduation. I mean, there's been a lot in the news about this, about very, you know, accomplished, prestigious people being being boycotted or being drummed out of being gra- graduation speakers. I mean, you have Christine Lagarde, who is you know, she is uh, the first woman to ever direct the International Monetary Fund. She was the former finance minister of France, as well as serving as the minister of foreign trade. She's a an accomplished antitrust and labor lawyer. But apparently she is not good enough 
to give a graduation speech at my alma mater, uh, Smith College. Did you see this, Leanne? I saw it. And Julie, I can tell you, my husband came home incensed about this. Yeah. That's, I mean, you know, it's not even just the fact that it was your alma mater. He's like, what is wrong with people? So <laughs> I I, what was what was the objection okay, uh, it, to her? It started as an too well qualified, too interesting, too fascinating, too accomplished. What was the what was the right. objection? Uh, okay, the uh, it started as an online petition. So we, you, again, the backstory there is these are students that are not even getting out of their beds to protest. <laughs> right? It's an online petition. They don't have to get dressed. They're not going out in the streets or anything like that. They're not on a hunger strike. They're lying in their beds, tapping and clicking. Okay. <laughs> And, but they have they have labeled Christine Lagarde. Uh, she they say she's a corrupt imperialist that has not ended global global poverty. Okay, have they ended global <laughs> poverty? No. Okay, and so but she along with Condoleezza Rice, uh, Ayan Hersey Ali, who we had on our show, Leanne, right, as well as the um, the Chancellor of UC Berkeley, right. Uh, just a number of very distinguished speakers that were drummed out by either large or small groups of students, most likely lying in bed, clicking online traditions. <laughs> but, but okay, that, uh, but that, there's that whole group. But then there as well was the Connecticut student. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, like, wow. Yeah, I this know. was, I, I felt, I did feel for her. Go ahead and explain what happened. Apparently, she had failed to tell her parents that she had dropped out of Quinnipiac, Quinnipiac College. Mm-hmm. That And so they were all showing up for the graduation event to the school that she no longer attended. So in order to just um, somehow get out of the situation, she called in a bomb threat to stop the graduation. Mm-hmm. You really have to be desperate at I that know. point. I, I, I felt I, for her. I, I felt know. for the whole family. I know that was, that's a bad situation. Yeah. But back to Smith. So back to my college. Mm. So here, you know, it is a women's college. Yes. Okay. And all right. Could you find a more qualified woman in the, in the world mm. to speak to the graduates about going out and, and solving big problems than Christine Lagarde? I don't think so. But we received as alums, we received two letters from the board of trustees. Oh, these are always good. Okay, so the first letter was that um, the both letters said it was all Christine's idea to drop out. They were super sorry that she dropped out. I'm paraphrasing here because they didn't say super sorry, <laughs> super sorry. But they did. They put all the blame on her. They put all the blame on Christine Lagarde. We are like so sorry that she's that she she decided to drop out. It was her decision, you know. So. Not the lazy students that are lying around, you know, with this false protest that they are doing. And in the same letter, um, the um, members of the board of trustees go on to say that they were super stoked. Again, I'm paraphrasing because they didn't use that word, that they were able to drum up the former president of Smith and uh, Ruth Simmons, who's very distinguished. And she was going to be standing in to give um, the graduation speech. So all was fine and everything was good. So I I think it was just a disaster all the way around right that you know and that the fact that the board of trustees didn't uh, and the college didn't really face up to the fact that they were really silencing someone who has a very important point of view that perhaps educated women ought to hear um, even if they don't totally agree with her point of view you know is ridiculous they just tried to gloss it over so it's 
You know, it's very serious. I think the same thing happened at Haverford College outside of Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia. Right, where they canceled the chancellor, the UC Berkeley chancellor. And what was the reason? And then the the stand-in stepped up and and, uh, really took the graduating class to task for doing that. Right, that some students once again said, here was the UC Berkeley chancellor. Okay, you probably couldn't find a more liberal school, liberal uh, chancellor, but because they felt he had um, used very strong arm tactics during the Occupy protests on campus, um, that they they felt that he was unacceptable, that he was some, you know, he was some horrible person. So, yes, the former president of Princeton, I guess there's a whole secondary market. <laughs> if you're the former president, you just sit by your phone in the month of May because you're going to get a call from somebody because they're going to need a graduation speaker in the last minute. Uh, William Bowen, who's the former president of Princeton, called the students immature and arrogant. Right. Okay. Okay, it's just... And that's good to hear at your graduation. I mean, isn't the point of the graduation, it is the graduates, it is to sort of open your eyes. It's fun to have a distinguished speaker. They generally do say something unbelievably that you remember even 25 years down the line. Uh, So uh, that is kind of the point. I don't understand. I don't think the point is to have someone who believes in every single thing you do and has shares exactly the same point of view. You're never going to find that person. Right. No, really what these students want, Leanne, is they really want John Stewart. Oh, okay. at every okay. they want someone they want John Stewart. They want funny, entertaining, sarcastic, and liberal. So we, John Stewart could really help us out. He could help us save graduation if he would just record a fantastic graduation speech. And then they could just play it on big screens at any of these universities. Because then we, then we would get out of this idea that, mm, I don't like that speaker, so I'm going to cook up some online petition for why I don't want to listen to that sp- um, speed- speaker, you know? Well, here's what happened locally here. And I think, actually, if the Donald Sterling debacle hadn't been happening at the same time, it would have been a bigger story nationally because that Pasadena City College, which is a well-respected city college in the community college in our system here in California, with illustrious graduates, they – it was actually the administration who blew the whole graduation speaker. Yes, it was not the students, Julie. So in this case, they asked one of the PCC graduates who had won an Oscar as the screenwriter of Milk, Dustin Black, to speak at graduation. And then they discovered after they had asked him and after he had booked his tickets um, and they had announced it, that he had in his past, uh, after he won Milk, one of his old boyfriends, he is a gay man, had posted a sex video online of him. And as it turned out, like, Dustin Black was the victim of this. And the guy who posted it, like, had to pay him a giant fine. He was the victim of someone posting this online. And yet, here's what happened. The administration was sensitive to this because they had had not one, but two sex scandals in the (laughs) professor last year. Two professors were dismissed for having sex with students in class. Okay. So, uh, very bad situation. So they didn't want to call attention to that. So they uninvited Dustin Black, who didn't really understand why he was uninvited. He assumed it was because he was gay that they had uninvited him, but it turned out it was, no, no, we, the administration's like, no, no, we just didn't want to make a big deal about the professors we had to fire for their own scandals. 
But Dustin Black wrote on his blog, you know, a letter really condemning PCC because he had really changed his schedule. He was very honored to come speak at his alma mater. So who do they go with? The PCC people decide, well, we'll just go with, you know, what could be better than like a local public official? So they find the uh, director of public health for Pasadena. They invite him. And this is where the students get out of their pajamas, Julie, and a group does a little vetting of this guy. And it turns out that he has an online ministry and he has uh, a church. It's a very fundamental sect of a certain religion. I, I'm not going to say religion because I don't think he, he reflects uh, the values of that religion. But they have hours and hours of his online sermons where pretty much everything is either the work of the devil or you are a Satan. And that <laughs> list and it sounds I think funny. that would be a good message for many of these students to hear. I, I mean, this is like oh, everything perfect. from like, first of all, Oprah and Jay-Z are Satan. That's their like Satan on earth. If you teach evolution, that is the dogma of Satan. You are a Satanist. Uh, He has mean things to say about single mothers, teen pregnancy, uh, gay people. And he is the director of public health. So that's why it's problematic for him. So not only do they have to uninvite him to speak, he then gets put on suspension at the city of Pasadena because they realize, you know, if you're the director of public health and you don't believe in evolution or like have, you know, you're in charge of teen pregnancy programs and you think pregnant teenagers are Satan, uh, (laughs) that's a problem. So then he loses his job. So then PCC has to go back. Now it's like hours before the graduation. And they go back to the original speaker, Dustin Black, and they reinvite him. <laughs> and so did he speak at the graduation? He came. He spoke. Apparently, he gave a very personal and some say intimate or perhaps too intimate description of coming out and what that meant to him and and how that fueled his creative work. And the students professed to find it very inspiring. But it was just unbelievable, the quotes from this guy. Like uh, if they had Googled the public health guy, I, I don't understand how they missed it, but these students said, Hey, this Dustin Black's looking pretty good compared to this guy. So anyway, well, see this, this we're at a tipping point yeah. like, to have these kind this, this mess because graduation, let's just, it is a great event. Yes. I mean, I've been to two this, um, this season and they should, they should be happy. They should be traditional they should they should really celebrate the accomplishment of the student. They should c- celebrate the uh, the accomplishment accomplishments of the institution, and that's it. Okay, so you know we just we really have to save graduation because we're going to lose it, and then we're all going to be sorry. Then we're just going to you know you're you know you're not going to be able to get together for graduation parties or you know it's it's going to be like weddings that are now circuses, Leah. It's the same thing. You have, guys. You have to save it. So, you know, you know, uh, our parents had um, who attended many, many graduations when you have eight children, um, you know, they have been through, you know, so many college app- graduations, high school graduations, middle, middle school, uh, nursery school. They always had a one hour rule. They felt that any graduation you should be able if you get the show flow right, you should be able to do sing the pomp, you know, have the pomp and circumstance, the cap and gowns the faculty procession, the student procession, and then just give them the diplomas. You know, you should be able to do that in an hour. I think with larger classes, 
you know, you can extend that as long as it's moving along. I think it's very nice to hear the student's name. I think it's a great way to celebrate something positive. Okay. Right. Yes, Julie. Yes, you're absolutely right. We're going to talk a little bit more about graduation later in TV talk, because that was at a there was a graduation as a central piece of the finale of The Good Wife, and I, ha- I have some issues with it. But you're right. So John Stewart for all and yes. one hour. Uh, okay. <laughs> we'll keep it to one hour. Now, uh, here's a couple of other things, Leanne. Air horns. Can I, I want to oh. speak out about air horns. No on air horns, okay? Cowbells, they're okay. You know why? Because cowbells, they're sort of celebratory, okay? Air horns, they're obnoxious. They're not fun. They're not sweet. They're not happy. They're just leave them home, okay? I, I know everybody brings them, but I, I would like to see tighter security, less air horns. You can have a cowbells. I'm also going to speak out about dress, Leon. Okay, <laughs> you know I'm going there. Yeah, you know I'm going there. The the shorts and the flip flops. Come on, people. I okay, know. there's there's only a couple of times in your whole life that you're going to go to graduations, okay? Can't you just take it up a notch, all right? Really? really? You saw a lot of shorts and flip-flops? Yes, yes, Leon, hmm. I did, okay? Now, you know, I know a lot of graduations are in stadiums, but even if you were going to a foot- football hmm. game, Leon, <laughs> they would have taken more care in what they were wearing, right? They would have on their, like, cowboy jersey or something. They'd be a little more dressed up, Okay. I, if you put on like school jerseys, if you want to do that, that's fine. But I, I just, I mean, we have to save this event because it, when it when it when it's done correctly, it's great and it makes the student feel good and it's a great accomplishment. Snacks are okay if you want to bring snacks to graduation. I like kids at graduations. I like signs. I like glitter on the mortarboards. Okay, and really, I'm in favor of big screens, Leanne. Yes, four, I yeah. More auditoriums should, should, you know, we the technology is there. Let's bring it to graduation because it is great to be able to see your graduate, you know, to get the close up, um, to really see what's going on. I, I think it's good. Okay. Those are, that's a good list, Joel. I know it is, Leanne. I've thought about it. I like graduation. And if we don't speak out, it is, it's, I mean, next season, it's going to be even worse. It will be. It is. Although, you know, this has been going on for a long time. They, they have been protesting graduation speakers. They have been doing that, but it did seem like this year there wasn't even any sense to it. The Smith one was really like, that doesn't even make any sense. I know. I know. (laughs) What is is happening? Okay. So John Stewart, you can help us out. Just, you know, if that's what it takes, I, I could, I could see how we could work that into a traditional graduation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. My, my alma mater, Pomona College, had Placido Domingo this year. He gave the speech. And that would have been awesome to have him. Did he That's, sing it? Did he sing I don't know. Speech? I haven't seen it. It's available online. I'll go take a look. I don't think he sang the whole thing, but I, I have no doubt he sang a few notes. But uh, he's quite a showman, so I bet that was great. So I had Twyla Tharp at my graduation. She was good. Okay, um, I had Madeline Lengel. Okay. I love that. I had just, I was, I know, I remember I was, I was so young at your graduation. <laughs> yes, so young. Thank you. I, I wondered how you were going to work it. In. Well, I had just read A Wrinkle in Time. So she was very meaningful to, for me to hear her speak, which is not the case. Like I didn't even remember Mother Teresa was at Monica's graduation. So yeah, just so hot. All right, Julie, well done. Okay, we're, we have a little wellness block now before we okay. get to TV talk. Um, all right, occasionally I get asked if I would like to try products. And normally I say no because, 
because I don't want the obligation to mention it. If I don't like it, I forget it. I'm not interested in it. But every once in a while, a product comes through and the email, I'm like, I would like to try that. And Julie, you are the one that turned me on to green tea. You have been a green tea believer for years. Yes. And I, I don't love the taste of green tea. Uh, but I know it's really good for me. And mm-hmm. since I did the whole detox this summer or this, this winter, and I've been trying to just drink less coffee, and, and I have learned to really embrace iced green tea. Yes, I make a big batch of it uh, most days. Like, yes, yes, that's what I find because I know it's better. I haven't, I've had one single Diet Coke in the last six months, which is I'm good. That's good. pretty yeah. huge for me. Yes. So, so when I was offered some of this green tea, I said, yeah, I'll give that a try sure and it's called organic india green tea okay and here's what's special about it it's tulsi tea t-u-l-s-i and apparently tulsi is called like uh is holy basil okay that's how they refer to it in india holy basil it's like the like, mother of is all that basil. Like saying holy crap or is it that- is holy basil holy basil but that's they that's refer to expression? it that's an indian expression no is it's the queen basil? it's that oh. this is the herb it's an herb but they it is like the queen of the basils the highest okay. form of basil okay oh, okay okay holy basil holy basil this is the most delicious green tea i have ever tasted and i say that even though they sent me one free box <laughs> Fantastic. So I wanted to pass that along because I particularly like the pomegranate green tea because it has a little touch of palm, some hibiscus flower, this holy basil, this Tulsi, but then it also has the goodness of green tea, but it doesn't have that strong green tea flavor. And last it week even sound like green tea. No, so, but yeah. it is green tea. So okay. last week when it was 103 here and I was making that sun tea every day, I couldn't get enough of this stuff. So they have a whole line of green teas. This company is kind of an interesting company. Everything's organic. Uh, it's all grown in India. Uh, they use, you know, farmers there. They pay equal wages. They've turned sort of dusty, dry land into farmable land. So there's a lot of good things to like about the company Organic India. But I just love this tea, so I wanted to pass that along. Okay. I don't often I don't often pass along for specific recommendations, but I will put a link. Go to our website, satellitesisters.com, and I will put a link to their page. It's they I think they may sell it in Whole Foods, but mainly have to order it online. But uh, if you want to you know, have more green tea in your life, but you don't love the taste of green tea, this is the perfect uh, combination for you. So there you go, Joel. Tulsi, Tulsi, holy basil. Remember that if you see it in the stores, organic India. All right. So that's my recommendation. Okay. Now I have a request in the wellness category. Julie, what has taken me so long to embrace honey? What? Honey is good for you, Leanne. I know. I don't know what my problem was. I have been eating that dang Greek yogurt, just tart without anything for years. And we were, we were on like the 24 hour vacation we took to Scottsdale, the hotel served honey on the, on the yogurt. And I almost lost my mind. I was like, this is the best I've ever tasted. <laughs> you, you really had a sheltered life. Honey is also good for you, Leon, because it has pollen in it. So it, it's supposed to, I, I mean, the Russians always believed that it was, it's a sort of a natural defense to allergies. 
I just I feel if like you, I'm... if you t- eat local honey, because then you're building up your immunity your, uh, to the local oh, al- pollens. That sounds as as uh, that sounds as legitimate as anything. Sounds as yeah. legitimate as Tulsi tea. Um, <laughs> you know, so here's my request. Yeah, I, I need some good honey sources because I was I just have been buying like the honey in the Bayer. I didn't. Well, he, he's awfully cute, Leon, but you you should try local honey. Leon. Local honey. Okay. Local, yes, definitely. That's that's good. Well, as Barrick pointed out, he goes, think about how hard those bees work to make that honey for you. I was like, you know, you're right. I don't know. <laughs> now I just, I can't get enough of it. I'm putting it on everything. Honey, I'm all over I, it. I, Leon, I think you can become a beekeeper. <laughs> I see it. I can see the, the beehive in your backyard. No, we can't because, well, I, I know honeybees. Do they sting? No, I don't okay. Because so. Barrick's allergic, to, highly allergic to bees. So I don't know. We, I, I don't. I, you can get stung by one of them, but they yeah. don't. That, that's yeah. I don't foresee us. I don't want to go that far. I just want to find a source for good honey. I feel like there's probably one out there, and people may have known. Okay, but you're just saying local honey, so I will local check for honey, that. Local honey, there's, and they all have different. They have very different flavors, Leon. It's like it's like the pomegranate green tea. I didn't know. I'm just embracing all this wellness stuff, Julie. I've, I've been dabbling, but now I'm going for it. You are a new woman between the golf and yeah. the green tea and the honey. <laughs> Woo. You know what? I'm, I might get some of those equine nasal strips that uh, that the California horse is going to wear. California chrome. Aren't you happy? I am so relieved that he can wear his nasal strips. I know. Strip. It says it reduces fatigue and injury, and that's what I need. I'm going to get some of those equine nasal strips for my you next golf game. will look fierce on the course, <laughs> Leon. Okay. And then, okay, so I had the recommendation and the request. Okay, now I have a question. Maybe you know the answer to this too, Julie. What is the deal with coconut oil? Like, it's everywhere now. It's in everything. Apparently, we're supposed to cook with it and eat with it and put it on our skin. We're supposed to use it as salve, and we're supposed to make our hair shiny with it. I don't I don't understand. I thought it was bad for us, but now it's good for us? I don't. I don't coconut milk and uh, uh, coconut water and coconut oil, I don't understand it. I feel like I must have been out of the country the week that that all got explained <laughs> yeah. in the media because yeah. it was it's like it's enormous i know and i don't understand it either leon i'm a fr- i don't know what to do i i have stayed away from it because- i yeah i don't trust it i don't know i don't i can't explain it so this is my request or my question that's like do you have a, anybody out there who believes in the power of coconut oil and has a good source that they want to share, like an article or something to explain to Julie and I what we missed when we were out of the country? I don't because I'm happy to that it's here. I just don't know if I'm going to use it correctly. And all I can think of is, does this mean we can eat Almond Joys? You know, that's... Like, <laughs> Can I put that back on the menu? I, I, I think it was probably an episode of Dr. Oz. You know, I, that's where I think this all started. But And I can't see that he's going to be pushing um, Almond Joyce Land, sadly. You know what? Are, Dr. Those Oz. Those are delicious candy bars. Aren't they? The dark chocolate and the Ooh. coconut and just the almond on top. That's a sol- It's solid. Solid candy. Uh, Julie, if you've seen Dr. Oz lately, occasionally I dip in. Um it's all about bloat now. He just—he's one hundred percent bloat. <laughs> so, I—that's another thing. I—I under—I really do not want to belittle digestive problems, but it—it it seems like that is all everybody has now is digestive. Right. Problems. Mm-hmm. We're not fat anymore. We're bloated. But I—we're yeah. I, not <laughs> overweight. We're bloated. But I think I'm a little overweight. So. 
not just bloated. Uh, all right, so that's it. So the recommendation for organic India Tulsi tea, the request, get some local honey, and the question, what's the deal with coconut oil? There you go. There's my wellness, wellness okay. block. Okay, well done, Liam. Thank you. All right, now we're moving on to TV talk, and um, we're going to wrap up the season finale of Sister Selfridge. Many season finales this week, which I guess made this uh, <laughs> this <laughs> this problem uh, even more apparent. And uh, Ellen posted this on the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. It said, "Is it just me, or are nearly all television series filmed in half darkness now?" <laughs> she is right. She is totally right about that, Liam. Yeah. Game of Thrones, okay, no electricity. The Good Wife, surely they need light to read. Hannibal, maybe no one wants to see what they're eating. Scandal, no good reason. And people chimed in. They jumped on this bandwagon. Not only are they filmed in half darkness, we learned, they're also inaudible. Like many TV series are inaudible. So, because I said, like, I have very good hearing. I cannot hear one about half the dialogue on the show Elementary, which I love, but I can't hear half of it. And this is like the, for the season finale this week, it featured many British voices, all sort of mumbling. And it was a hot day, but I had to go like turn off the fans. We had to like make the house as quiet as possible and like jack up the volume on the TV because we couldn't, couldn't hear it. And I liked Alan said uh, on the Facebook page, uh, we have to, quote, turn up the volume to British. <laughs> That's what they said. <laughs> and then Kathy Elliott Lawrence said, it's not just you. I am so tired of not seeing nor hearing because the background music is really loud. That's true. And then this is what I like. Kathy said, person of interest is the worst. They don't even move their mouths. So maybe you could see what they're saying. She's so desperate to try to lip read a television show. I know. Uh, uh, oh, boy. So there you go. Very dark shows that no one can see. So that th these are bad TV trends, Liam. I know. Well, I mean, especially who do they older? I mean, older people are watching those shows. That's right. The, the golfers and the, you know, the tea sippers. <laughs> we, need, we need our TV in the evening. <laughs> All right. The finale, before we get Sister Selfridge, I have to mention the uh, finale of The Good Wife. And it's interesting, Julie, that you were talking about graduations before because um, I, I love The Good Wife. I think it's been a fun series and a, particularly a fun season. It has just the right level of sort of soapiness and mm -hmm. outrageousness to it for me. Like it doesn't, it doesn't go to Shonda Rhimes scandal territory. I, I, I can't go there. That's not, I, I don't find that interesting when it goes over the top, when the president's like practically assassinated every week. That just seems like a lot to me. <laughs> I feel like we could solve that problem. Uh, but, um, you know, the good wife has just enough grown up, good fun, uh, that I enjoy it. But the other thing I enjoy is that, um, the main character, Alicia Florick is actually a very good mother. I think there are a lot of, uh, very very real scenes in that show about being the mother, uh, going through a divorce, going through a tough time with your daughter and your son, that there have been storylines that are not gratuitous about her children. And right. I appreciate and as that. As a working mother too. I love yes. Yeah. I think it's hard to pull that off sometimes, you know, kids in TV shows, they can't integrate them sometimes, but in the finale, no integration. Here's the situation, Julie. Alicia's oldest son, who's adorable and has she's very close to, is graduating from high school at the same time that once again, 
Floor Cagos, Lockhart Gardner going through merger, buyout, voting, scandal, you know, listening in on each other, manipulations. It's like they're the only two law firms in Chicago. But um, so it's his high school graduation and she almost misses it because she's so worried about like merging her law firm. What mother on earth would miss their son's high school graduation? I know that that's a clear choice. Okay. That the, those are writers that don't have high school. Right. Choice. Because any parent of a high schooler knows what a huge effort and accomplishment it is for the whole family yes. to get to that, uh, to that, to that day. And, you know, as it is your big day. It's one of the few times that, you know, that you have left to be able to cheer your child on. So that that is obviously the writers do not have children that age. That's, 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 was, that's the only answer, Liam. It was such a miss. And then, like, to add to the ridiculousness of this situation. Oh, shut up. Can you hear the talk? <laughs> that was nice, Liam. That, that is a Gracie Award winning moment. <laughs> Next year for the Gracies, please be sure to submit this segment. And and then to add to the ridiculousness, like they have him leave for college that night. And then they kept saying, oh, is this an empty nest situation? But she's still got a daughter. It's not an empty nest when you still have a daughter. The whole thing was just a total fail for me in such a way that they don't normally do. So... And I think it. there's so many graduations going on. I know at my son's high school, it's coming up. And all the mothers I know are justly, mothers are emotional. Like the I whole know. week before graduation. It's not just graduation day. So that was a fail. That was a disappointment okay. on a show that usually does a pretty good job with that role. But, uh, oh, good. Now the dog is howling. So um, is, that, is this another one of your interactive games that you play? Can you hear it, Hal? Can you hear that? Again, it's a lot like the TV shows. It's very faint, Leanne, but maybe if we turn our volume up, we can hear Mia howling as part of it. And such a fitting transition to... To uh, to the uh, the great ending of uh, Sister Selfridge, right? <laughs> yes. All right. So the season finale of Mr. Selfridge, uh, first of all, it sort of snuck up on me. I didn't realize this was the last one. <laughs> so <laughs> who knew? Who knew it was going to be the end? Uh, but it, it was building to something. And there it was, the, the hour and a half or hour and 45 minute season finale. Julie, what'd you think overall? Okay. So um, I, I, let me, I just have to take it apart. I, I don't, I don't even know. It left me so stunned because I really didn't realize it was going to be the finale or the end. So <laughs> okay. so they were wrapping things up at just lightning pace. Right. This show that, that has, at other times has moved at a, a much slower pl- pace. But the opening scene, come on, the Belgian waffle in yeah. bed with yeah. his free chest. And Miss Martle, did she, she never looked so beautiful <laughs> as she did in that, uh, in that bedroom scene. I yeah. mean, she and she's happy too. She looked happy. She was a happy woman in that morning. That was that was lovely, and they seemed so well suited. And it was less of an age issue with uh, with their clothes off. Obviously, <laughs> I mean, don't you think? Right, I thought that's it was, true. Right, whew, that was just a great way. Um, I wasn't expecting it, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So, bravo to that, um, Leon. Other big trend in this fi- in this finale was more badly speaking Americans. Oh my gosh. Yes. I just, 
where, where, where did they find these people? To uh, I mean, you have Winifred, the columnist. What was that language she was speaking? Where was she from? I was waiting with bated breath to Thanksgiving table at the end to see what all the different accents the children were going to speak with. Those daughters appeared to each be raised in a different country. Yes. I mean, one girl sounded like a youper, like she was from the Upper Peninsula or something. <laughs> No one sounded like their brother, Gordon. No. Uh, you know, I mean, they just are going to have to make up their mind. Are they going to go royal, you know, with a royal accent like Gordon's? He's very upper crust. Or are they going to do the Liza Doolittle? They right. had one of the other girls sounded like Liza Doolittle. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and Mama Selfridge, okay? I mean, perhaps she was in season one. Right. And we, know, we don't know anything about season one. But she's back. and And she sounded different than her, her son or her grandchildren. So that is a mishmash at the table. Right. I, did, I just, again, I was, those people seem to barely know each other. <laughs> I would say. <laughs> I would say. <laughs> I like the theme, Julie, of decorating, party planning, and picking food. There was just oh. that one scene where there was a lot of intercut where they were like redecorating, you know, planning the food for Thanksgiving. And, and then we had Agnes who was doing the windows, the British, yes. the feel good home. And then she was talking about the restaurant. That was a very dynamic scene. I was like, well, this is good. More of this, more decorating, more food, more entertaining. I like it. I like yes, that. I, I totally agree. Even, even the dishes in that opening scene between between Harry and Rose, the breakfast dishes, mm. they were more intriguing than, <laughs> than, than their, whatever they were talking about. I was just, it looked beautiful on that br breakfast table. I mean, did you notice the teapot and the little teacups? It was a lovely pattern. So again, I'd like that. There were a lot of face-offs in this episode. Oh yeah. Good one. Yes. I mean, Good you call. had Lord Loxley and Harry and the very, which we, I now will, will certainly go down in history as a very famous dramatic line. I'm going to smash your smug little face into the middle of next week, yes. right? Yes. It was the one time uh, all season that Harry got to show some emotion that was above like a two on the <laughs> scale of 10. I mean, I am beginning to think it's not Jeremy Piven. It's the writers. They just give, they give, you know, Rose and Harry just really banal dialogue, whereas everyone else gets to have some kind of chewy, juicy, good scenes. And they're just like, oh, yes. Oh, yes. And so finally he got to show a little emotion. And I was like, oh, okie dokie. There's some feistiness. All right. Well, perhaps. Okay. I loved Lady May and Lord Loxley. That oh, I love that. Ex that was an excellent scene. Lots of drama, lots of tension. And, you know, that really, that was, that was quite good when she was trying to steal, steal the little list. Yes. I mean, Love Lady May had a great episode all around. Mm -hmm. She was I the top, you know, top performer for me this episode. Just her character and everything. I thought, I, I really enjoy her. Okay, Mr. Grove and Miss Martle. I oh. love that scene. Yeah. This is another well-done scene. I mean, they just underplayed it, but certainly they were projecting all the sort of love, the regret for their relationship that never worked out, and, you know, what could have been. Uh, and I just, I loved that scene. I thought that was great. What about Victor and Ag Agnes? I know. That seems, as several people said on the Facebook page, to wrap up very quickly. Like, Victor, Victor seemed to capitulate very quickly, but he was so charming and such a gentleman. And it was just, it was just a wonderful scene. I thought that was beautifully played, and he did a great job. 
And and what about Henri and Agnes? Again, in the dark. I mean, in the that, dark. <laughs> there was most of their their scenes were in the dark. <laughs> was that working for you, Lee? Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, of course, now he's going off to fight. So and and he said, "I'm never coming back to Selfridges," but now he he has to. I did find it interesting. I did not realize, like, once you got married, you had to quit your job. Yes. So I that was that. a much more interesting dilemma. It wasn't. There was so much there. It wasn't just the Victor thing. It was like she was really going to have to leave what she did and, you know, run an Italian restaurant. So uh, that, you know, that was those were a lot of choices for her. So she was the big winner this show. Yes. I thought oh, she was a big winner. Delphine, big loser in this show. Yeah. I thought even what they did with Delphine's character. I mean, she had so much potential to end up being, you know, a, a, a German spy or at least to have an affair with Harry or to double cross Rose in some in, in some much more dramatic way. I mean, I just felt like she went out with a whimper. We're never going to see her again. No, right? I know. I, I agree, Julie. I thought she didn't need to be 86 like that so quickly. Uh, but um, uh, And I would have enjoyed going to Delphine's Cafe or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that was a big loser, Liam. That was a big loser. And Lord Loxley, okay? He was just, again, that swift British justice. Yeah. He's, you know, like... <laughs> Boom. He's in prison. Okay. That, that's all. They don't, they don't need any court or, you know, he just, he's gone now, but that's a shit, a pity because he was a good, bad guy. You know, the one bit that kept the recurring bit I didn't understand was the warring secretaries. Like from whence did they come? I mean, it was like, they, it was like the, the last minute, like, Oh, we're about to go shoot tomorrow. You know what? We need a little comic relief. I just, yeah, those two. That that was that was bad, Leon. I agree. You know, I didn't understand the administrative assistants. Yeah, you know, fighting over the diary. Yeah, yeah, Lloyd. Oh. Yeah, I just I didn't get it. But uh, but you know, and I was really like starting to get down on Rose, and then and now she's dying. Julie, I know. Now what are we gonna do? I know, and she has those terrible British doctors. I, I mean, you certainly saw what happened to Lady Sybil. Right. Nabby, do not trust British doctors. Okay, so. Yeah, I know. I, I, You know how much I have been arguing or just hoping that somebody would be murdered or killed off all season. <laughs> and now that it's Rose, it's it's so sad, you know. But, um, but here's the thing. I, I really just highly recommend for season three, please, no long deathbed scene. Because <laughs> Harry and Rose, they can't do that, okay? You need to like float her down some river like Ophelia, you know, just let her <laughs> float out. But we, I mean, Harry, uh, I mean that we can't do it. They can't do it. Okay. So please, I know she's going to go. And I, I feel badly that I just had been calling for murder all season. And, <laughs> and now it's there. But I do have some. I do have some hope for next season. First of all, there is going to be another season, Leon. Oh, season. there is for sure. Okay, oh, don't you think? I mean, right? Yeah, they, I think there uh, will be. Yeah. Okay. As we have said earlier, they all have to get on the same page with their accents. <laughs> yes, okay? they that need family. Yeah. Hire a speech coach over the summer. Get someone in there. Okay. Just pick one. Liza Doolittle. You know. Prince Harry, whatever you want. The Uper, just pick a, pick a language, okay? 
as I said, we have to no big deathbed scenes and Kitty's boyfriend, perhaps he can be killed off. Okay. Cause he's just so darn bo- boring. The, the newspaper guy, I, I really don't want to see any more romance there, but I do hope young Gordon gets a romance in next season. I think he's ready for it. I think he'll probably go off to war. Right. Um, so, um, and I suppose one of those three daughters that, as you so uh, rightly put, don't appear to have any connection to each other, <laughs> probably one of them will be more central in season three. <laughs> Those are excellent predictions. I uh, don't, you think lady may and Harry, something may happen there. That's possibility. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's but you're possible. right. Cause I mean, even on the satellite sisters, Facebook page, the sort of lack of emotion in the I'm dying, <laughs> let's go have Thanksgiving scene. That was a concern yeah. to most people. Yeah. Then I'm dying. Okay, let's go have Thanksgiving. (laughs) Liam, that was an excellent, excellent impression of Rose. Thank you. (laughs) I think you got her accent right. Okay. But uh, again, a lot of thumbs up that Victor stood up and told the truth that Agus can be with Henri. Many people very happy about that. Well, Mm -hmm. Julie, wrapping up Sister Selfridge. Fantastic. Now. I know, Lynn. It's uh, I, I'm not sure what we're going to do with our Sundays now, but we'll, we'll be open to suggestions. No, I'm... no, I, I know what we're doing. No, <laughs> I know what we're doing. Oh, Outlander. Reading. Outlander. I don't. Did know you this... ever read the Diana Gabalon series? The the like time traveling romance. Oh, oh, Julie, oh. come on. No, this is going to be huge. It's... Really? <laughs> yes. Okay. No, when is, when is... I. I I encourage you to just go. I, I, don't, I really don't believe in time travel romance. Oh. There's so many levels, Liam. Just don't believe in it. Okay. But, All right. I okay. think you're missing out. I could be alone, but I just give it a whirl. I mean, it was finally, it was written 20 years ago. It is finally coming to TV. I think you're, I think you're going to like it. That's all I can say with the, when the English nurse, World War II English nurse time travels back to Scotland and finds, <laughs> finds the man of her dreams. That's okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, sister. Just consider it because okay. I know by mid-August that is what I am. That's what I'm going to be doing when that's that Outlander debuts on Stars. I will be watching. I'm rereading book one now. I thought, you know what? I'm going to reread the whole series. I haven't read it in 20 years, so <laughs> I am preparing. So I, there will be no more. You didn't see season one. We're going to get right on it, <laughs> right on it from the first episode. Just okay. give it a whirl. I think you're going to like it, Julie. I think you're going to like it. The previews look awesome. All right, everyone. Oh, we got to go. It's a long yes. show. <laughs> I got, I got stuff to do. your dog in the middle of it. Yeah. Okay. I got stuff to do. I got to go golf. So, uh, all right. All right. Uh, you have any plans this week, Jill? Oh, busy. He- heavy rotation on the babysitting land. I've okay. got uh, some big babysitting assignments coming up. Yep. Okay. Yeah, me too. Uh, not really. <laughs> I got to do some writing. All right. We are the Satellite Sisters. Thanks so much for joining us. You can always find us at SatelliteSisters.com if you want that tea or any of the links we mentioned uh, this week on the show. The place to find it, SatelliteSisters.com. And don't forget, call your Satellite Sister. 